views and opinions expressed by Edwin are Edwin and Edwin's only, all right? Not of the sponsors, employers, baby mama, anybody he went to school with, anybody he owe money to. With that being said, enjoy the video. Hey, what is going on everyone? Edwin Pagan here and thank you for joining me for the Word on the Road podcast. Now, before we begin, just to just to play catch up with everybody, um, if you had originally subscribed to this podcast on Anchor, uh, you might remember it was a, uh, a podcast I typically have my girlfriend, who was my fiance now at the time. What's up, guys? Yeah, yeah. Uh, she would be on the podcast. So we're actually going to be doing our own separate podcast, right? Um, so it's gonna have a different title. And then the Word on the Road podcast, which is this one um, going forward will be a podcast I do dolo uh, and it will be a podcast put out three times a week and it's meant to complement the YouTube channel so it's going to be more tech inclined it's going to be more like you know the security stuff that I like to talk about but that being said the Word on the Road podcast is basically a care package, all right? It's designed to uh, give you three articles or insights or something basically that I find interesting uh, and informative, give it to you, and then send you right on your way. Um, it's designed to fill that 35-minute uh, uh, gap that you have on the way to work, the little uh, commute you have. and uh, Or if you're at work listening to this, you know, you're in a cubicle, you know, 35 minutes uh, to listen to this, or if you spend 20 minutes on the toilet at work, um, I don't know, but that's the demographic of this podcast, right? So it's designed for the folks, for the folks in the cubicles, uh, for the folks on the way to, to work. You know what I'm saying? It's not for the youngins, all right? Uh, but that being said, uh, let's go ahead and jump right into it. Um, you know, just to, you know what, let's give a little update on myself um, before we jump into the stories. Um, you know, I'm doing the whole YouTube thing full time now. Um, so you're going to see more and more content now. I am doing this full time. So this is what I do for a living. So um, the goal is to uh, to do the podcast, um, to do more reaction videos for hacking. Um, and then I want to do more tutorials on my channel as well. So I'm really looking forward to doing a bunch of stuff like that. Um, and so, yeah, man, it's like it's an exciting time in my life. I'm doing this whole the whole this journey of of, of you know, being self-employed and self-sufficient. And uh, it's exciting and nerve wracking, but it's a little easier when you are. Uh, have a decent setup to put all this content out man i've learned a lot about streaming bro it's crazy that so many people have figured this out but i guess for me the goal was to like get like a setup where i can um just make as much content as possible and like bro it would be taking me like it would take me like five days to edit certain videos i made i'm like why is this so complicated and what's crazy is that looking at how like these streamers do it i'm like Oh, what the hell is this OBS thing? I'm like, oh my god, this is gonna save me so much money and X Y Z. So it's really, really dope to be doing this. Um, so god dang it, enough about myself. Let's go ahead and jump right into the first story that I want to cover, which is uh, it's talking about the fine folks at Facebook. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg out here in Silicon Valley, out here on uh, uh, on Capitol Hill, trying to put out some uh, some some knowledge. Uh, what I love about Mark is that you know he's he's going out there and saying, "Hey, listen, I am tired of you folks, um, you know, dragging our name through the mud, right?" So if uh, if you haven't seen the article on Bloomberg, again, I have the links for all these stories below. Um, but if you haven't seen the article on Bloomberg, uh, basically Mark Zuckerberg is saying hey facebook needs regulation to win users trust um give us some regulation you know what i'm saying um you know one of the quotes he had was uh um you know if we don't create standards that people feel are legitimate they won't trust institutions or technology and this couldn't be any more truer you know what i'm saying you have all these legislators saying that facebook is did this and they hacked the election and blah 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 it's like all right bet so why don't y'all go ahead and create legislation for us to follow so we can tell our customers, hey, listen, we out here, we're keeping your data safe. And it's just like, you know, this is just uh, political, you know, political just garbage. You know what I'm saying? Um, 
you know what what's really interesting about facebook um is that it's 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 so new this is it's still new what it what it what it is is still new and a lot of the legislation we have it's just not hasn't been updated to fit the digital world that we live in and so we need to take us we need to take that action now we need to get that wheel rolling um but to kind of give you my my take on this whole situation um i i'm i'm a very interesting person when it comes to privacy because I have no problem with Google knowing where I am at all times. I have no problem with Google having access to all my information. Um, but the one reason I don't have an issue with it is because I've never had to worry uh, about Google leaking my information out to someone without my consent. I know for a fact that there's not a secret database that police can use to access my my Google account without my permission. It can't happen, right? Because if it if they had that ability, I would not use that service. And the reason I wouldn't use that service is because... Let me give you an, let me give you actually an example, right? Because this is a very interesting example. Um, the Boston Police Department, right? There was an article a couple of years ago. I don't know where it's at, but it's there, right? Um, there was an internal audit of the Boston PD's database that they use uh, to run people's tags, right? So they pull you over, they run your tag, right? And they found that Tom Brady's name had been ran through that system 900 times. Tom Brady had been pulled over 900 times. But these cops, uh, on their day off when they were bored or whatever, whatever they were doing, they decided to look up Tom Brady's shit. And that, that, to me, in my opinion, is an abuse of power. Am I lying or am I dying right now when I say that's an abuse of the system? That system wasn't designed for that. And so um, because they did an audit, they were able to reprimand those employees. They were able to, um, you know, um, um, to, to say, hey, this is what happened. Um, this can't happen. And that's basically what I think needs to be happening with Facebook is that we need to have some type of oversight, some type of external company that comes in and says, all right, folks, we went into Facebook. We checked it out, and we saw that this is how they're using your data. These are the people who can access your data. These are the the, the security measures they have in place for employees not to be able to access that data um, without any permission. And everyone has access to the, the information that they need to just do their job. Nothing more, nothing less. That's what needs to be in place and us to be able to have some type of uh, assurance that that's happening. And that's what Facebook is trying to do because Facebook understands that, like, yo, fa my space was once bigger than us. And now MySpace is like, who MySpace? Nobody knows who they are anymore. And they understand that giants can fall. And so they're trying to win the uh, the public's trust. And so shout out to Mark Zuckerberg for saying, hey, let's do it. You know what I'm saying? Um, but I do feel like with great power comes great responsibility. And I can't tell you the countless amount of times that I've seen people who have access to information, who have access to systems that most people don't have, abuse that power. We've all we've all heard the story. We've all heard the story of the girl who dates the cop and the cop who said, yeah, I checked you. I, I ran a background check on you before we went on this date. How do you run that background check? How do you think he did it? Did he do it by paying for the website or did he do it by using his company system? That's an abuse of power. And I think that's what we really should be focusing on if we're going to give companies uh, access to our information. And that's just kind of my opinion on that. With that being said, man, let's turn over to the folks at Wired.com. Really, really interesting article they had over there um, about how hundreds, if not millions of PC components still have hackable firmware. All right. Now, to give you a kind of an overview of this article, they kind of just talk about the idea that a lot of the uh, devices we have in our homes that are connected to the Wi-Fi network are completely and 100% insecure, um, whether they are, you know, haven't been updated in years and so they have vulnerabilities or the fact that you can install hackable firmware on those devices without any issues um, is, is, is another thing. But the fact is, is that we're putting more and more things on the Wi-Fi network at our homes 
and uh, we don't give a shit about like if it's secure or not. And it's a big issue. I personally look at it as a major issue. Um, it's one of the reasons why I will not put a webcam inside the house. Um, I won't put a webcam in any of the bedrooms. I will not put like it. I'm very, very careful what devices I put on my network because the reality is, is that like I know for a fact that if people really want to get in, they will get in, and I won't even give them the chance to do it. That's not to say that it can't happen through the webcam on my computer, but at least with that, I can close it down. You know what I'm saying? Um, one of the things I was talking to my fiance about the other night that uh, you know we were talking about IoT um, is. Um, one thing I was telling her is like, yo, Amazon has created, like, bro, you go, you go on Amazon and there's a huge marketplace of like, yo, you got the GoPro camera and then you have the Pro Go camera and it's like a $200 difference. And to me, it's like, why does it not like ring with people like click that like maybe the cheap one, there's a catch, but people just get it because they say, Hey, why not? And the reality is like when you buy that cheap product, you do have no idea what's going on in the code structure of that thing. Like that little tiny little computer thing, you have no idea what code's on there, how insecure that device might be, how to update it, when they when the last time they pushed out updates for it, and you put it on your home network, and it's like, bro, that's that's risky, that's suspect. And not only is it not suspect, but like how is it not clicking on you that like there isn't a catch there? You know what I'm saying? Like it's like, bro, something's up, you know what I'm saying? And that whole Huawei phone situation that's been going on in the news with Trump and China and all that stuff, that's the part that people don't understand. It's like, yo, we trying to save y'all from yourselves because if it's up to us, we just want the cheapest good. So if Huawei is providing us a phone that's exactly like the Samsung S10 or whatever the phone that Samsung has, if they're providing us that phone and 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 for a better lack of words, it's at the half the price and it does the same shit, then you're going to buy regardless of what the government tells you. Um, or whatever warnings the government tells you, and the reality is that they're putting freaking malware on those things. They're, you don't know, you, but you just don't know what's running on there. And you know, when you have code running at a firmware level, at a board level, bro, your antivirus ain't gonna do anything for you. Your firewall is not gonna do anything for you. Whatever security thing software you put in your phone is not gonna do anything for you because it's running at a board level, and that's where it's scary. And that's what you know. That's why Google pulled Huawei phones from its Play Store. That's why you know they're trying to ban Huawei phones from being sold in the U.S. is for that very reason because consumers don't care. And we have to care. We have to, before the cat gets out of the bag and we install thousands and millions of cheap China-based, you know, malicious uh, freaking uh, IoT devices, we have to put some regulation in place. So, um, but this is nothing new. You know what I'm saying? It's nothing new. So uh, definitely check out that article. Um, it's really, really interesting. Uh, it's on wired.com. So last but not least, I want to end on this one because I feel like this is a very interesting article uh, that was on Ars Technica, um, which talks about the future of work and what it looks like. Uh, so I say the future of work looks like the, uh, staying out of the office, right? Um, so it's kind of talking about the fact that like uh, one of the key highlights they had in the article was that like 22% uh, of jobs now in the U.S. are remote, but people are working from home. And so I was fortunate enough to work at a company where I could work from home. That's a true story, right? Um, and what was good about it, you know, working from home, let me say this, right? It has its perks and it also has its downsides. I want to make, I want to say this. So let me, let me, how do I word this right before I uh, uh, lose all my followers? Um <laughs> Um, no, all right. So, so, so I'm the IT guy, right? At the office, right? I'm the IT guy. I worked at a global company. 
I'm the IT guy. I meet everybody. I'm like the DMV, homie. Everybody has to meet me at least once. And so there's two types of people that I, I always say always stuck out to me that you could always tell. Like you could always pinpoint to them. Like you could always say, oh, he's from New York or he works remote. And the reason I say that is like people from New York, when they come to Florida, they're, they're always like, why is it so quiet here? Or they're like, they're always in a rush. They have their very fast pace to them, right? They're very like, not jittery, but like they're in a rush. And the people who work from home, the people for, who work from home that I would meet that they always work from home, they're completely remote, 100% remote. They are so different because you can tell they sheltered. They don't get out much. They stay at their house all day. So their life consists of like just staying there. And like, to me, there's a lot of benefits of working from home, right? If you want to take care of your kids, you're taking cars off the road, it's better for the climate, all that good stuff. But I look at the health effects of working from home, right? And I feel like when you work at the office or when you have to come into the office, it gives you reason to get dressed up in the morning, right? It gives you a reason to to get a haircut. It gives you a reason to to take care of yourself more because of the presentation you want to put out for others versus when you work from home and you don't have to see anybody. And most conference calls these days are not mandatory uh, video calls. Um, what do you call it? Um, so people who don't have to come to the office, what I saw would, from what I saw is they, they didn't care about their appearance that much. Um, they they um, They lacked social skills. It was like they they weren't around other human beings, and so it was kind of just like you could tell it was different for them, right? And it's important because I feel like that affects them mentally. You see what I'm saying? Um, you know, uh, uh, what was the other, what was the other thing I wanted to say? Um, like for me, like when I would work from home, it would be the type of thing where it's like I don't have to get dressed up, I don't have to do this, I don't have to do that, and so. I slowly saw myself like, oh, I'm not getting a lot of work done here. I don't like how this effect is affecting me. And I ended up going to the office more. Um, and so it's not that I'm against people working from home, but I think that there is some long-term effects. So what I'm in favor of is designing an environment where, uh, um, first of all, you know, employees have split schedules where it's like you, they have to come into the office once a week, twice a week, um, you know, um, companies are focusing more on mental awareness like are they good working from home but also what if we created initiatives to to have people come to the office what if what if we gave a people we gave employees a reason to come in the office right i feel like i think this is the point that i wanted to make or i forgot to uh, touch on was um i feel that like yes you can get the job done working from home facts right but is the quality of the product going to be the same that's a, that's a true question you know is the quality of the product going to be the same? Because there's something about being next door or being in like, you know, having that human interaction with your employees, uh, with your coworkers, bouncing ideas off each other, you know, the, the, the humor of it, that a lot of good can come from that. A lot of collaboration can come from that, that allows for better ideas to come out of that. Right. And, um, I think if you eliminate that, how productive are you going to be in the work environment? So, to me, it's like, why not create an environment where people want to come into the office? They're like, I don't want to stay home. I want to go to work um, because X, Y, Z. You know, for me, I loved going into the office because we had a gym at the office. So I could, on my lunch break, go to the gym. Um, we had amazing coffee at the office. You know what I'm saying? We had good people. We had a good view. I loved being in downtown Orlando. So it was an initiative for me to go in the office. You know what I'm saying? So maybe employers focus on that. But in that same respect, there is people who, they don't want any of that. They're perfectly happy working from home, doing payroll, inputting numbers, and bada boom, bada bang, and it's easier for them to do that than it would be to come in the office. And for those people, I say, heck yeah, 
work from home works, right? Um, I think that there's certain people who it would be more, uh, it would make more sense for them that if they didn't have to travel to the office because the amount of money they spend on gas, it that, that's the type of like situation. Where I'm like, All right, I can understand why someone should work from home, but um, I think that like it's there's a lot of things you have to think about when you send your employees home uh, to work from home that we don't really talk about. You know, uh, I think about like um, when when like scientists talk about the trip to Mars. And how like one of the issues that they have with Mars is that like the the the, the, the like the trip there um, is eight months, and so uh, those eight months you have to think about how those people are going to be isolated with each other and how to prevent them from going crazy. And so I think about that in the same respect with like it's not just a trip to Mars, you know, it's not about just having the technology to get to Mars. It's also about the sociology of it, of like making sure that the people inside the ship don't kill themselves either. And that's another thing you have to touch bases on as well. And it's how I also think about the whole working from home aspect. It's like we we should definitely look at everything full circle to make sure that the people we are sending home are good to go. Um, you know, like because like I, I've just met some people that like they never left their house. They just never left the house. They just worked. And like the only time you would see them was at the company Christmas party. And it was just like, you never leave the house. It was just this thing where they're like, well, I read on, I read on the news that was like this. And I read on the news like that. And everything they saw, like everything they talked about was like something they read on the news. And like they were so scared of the world because all they saw was what they read on the news. And so I do think that there's just, there's a benefit of getting out the house and getting some of that melatonin or whatever. Um, but that being said, man, that's ours, Technica, man. That's all we got for today's, uh, for today's episode of Word on the Road. That's it. We got the first episode in the bag. I feel good about this, guys. I, I know it's a little sloppy, um, but we're definitely, with your feedback, we'll definitely build on that and, uh, and, and, and improve the podcast. But first episode, you know, out, 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 the, out, the, out the gate, you know what I'm saying? Um, in the bag, and uh, I feel good about it. So, guys, my, name's is, my name is, all right, with that being said, my name is Edwin Pagan. Y'all have been fun. I appreciate y'all for joining me. That being said, this has been the Word on the Road podcast. Uh, I know it's been a little quicker or slower. It's been a little sloppy, but right now I really wanted to get the first episode out, but this is going to be the weekly podcast, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So this is the first episode in the bag. If you like the podcast uh, or the videos, feel free to subscribe, hit the like button, share, turn on subscriptions. We're also on iTunes, Google Stitcher, all that good stuff. We're on the road. Of course, follow me on Instagram, edwinpagan19. Until next time, guys, my name is Edwin Pagan. Y'all have been fun. Take care. We're on the road podcast. Peace.